Welcome to the Maris Review. I am sitting here having purse beers with Kristen Arnett. Kristen is a queer fiction and essay writer. She won the 2017 Coyle Book Award for her debut short fiction collection, Felt in the Jaw, and was awarded Ninth Letters 2015 Literary Award in Fiction. She's a columnist for LitHub, and her work has either appeared or is upcoming in numerous publications. Mostly Dead Things is her first novel. Yay, Kristen! Yay! Thank you for having me, and thank you for drinking these purse beers with me. I I'm, I, I feel good about how I opened mine. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't too messy. I was worried. Walking over here, I was like, oh, no. It's going to be foamy. <laughs> uh, no, but they're, they're delightful. So I've never met you in person, mm-hmm. but I feel like I know you mm. because of the internet. Yeah, because of the internet. Yes. <laughs> and so tell me... What your dogs are doing without mm, you. Yes. Um, I know we talked about this briefly ahead of time, but uh, the dogs are hanging out with my ex-wife, <laughs> as one does. Sure. In lesbian relationships. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I've just been traveling a ton. So there's like these little pockets of time where I get home and I'll take 800 pictures of them and just oh like snuggle them really hard. Tell them all the compliments I've been saving up. And then, yeah, and then I have to leave. Uh, Lola, who is like my Frenchie. Yes. You know, she's like my little diva piglet. And uh, I think she's been like adjusting like the worst to it. Like she's uh, because she's like such a lap baby. Like when I'm home writing, she legitimately sleeps in a little basket. It's a basket with a handle, like a woven wicker basket. She sleeps in the basket next to the computer while I write. So. Well, I have to try to do that for busy. Yes. I, I was, like, shocked. at Like, I was like, okay, just put a basket there. So there's, like, a little blanket in the bottom. It doesn't even matter. She just loves hanging out in a basket. But I call her the little basket bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that would also be a good name for, like, a lady NBA player. Yes. You're completely right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Take notes, ladies. And WNBA. <laughs> basket bitch. Yes. I love it. So let's talk, let's talk about your novel. Mm-hmm. Give the listeners a little bit of background in case they haven't read it yet. The elevator pitch on this book is lesbian taxidermist in central Florida takes over her father's taxidermy business after he commits suicide in the shop. It's very gay, (laughs) very central Florida, and there's a lot of dead animals in it. Yeah. There sure are. Um, Tell me about taxidermy, not... Mm-hmm. In terms of how you know about it. Yes. Because I imagine that was a ton of research. Mm-hmm. And, yes. But as a metaphor for describing relationships. Yes. Um, and it was something that I did not truly did not think about as I was writing the book. I oh, was so focused on the like the the tactile and the physical, which is like bodies are something I'm very interested in when I'm writing. So like taxidermy was like rich with that, obviously. It's, Visceral. Yeah, it's literally. Like completely hands-on. Uh-huh. Um, so I spent uh, time like writing it into the text. And then as I was writing, it became this thing where I was like, oh, shit, taxidermy is legitimately everything in this book. Like taxidermy <laughs> is – it functions as memory – Yes. Um, Because I was like, what is like a memory? A memory is very much like taxidermy. Taxidermy is like a posing or like a structuring. Like a specific like, here's how this occurred and this is how we're going to remember it. And that's like how memories function for people. Um, And memory is like very much uh, 
related to like, wait, okay, so like past, okay, past relationships or first love. Mm. Like first love is this like very defining thing for people, I think. Right? Yes. Generally it happens, not all the time, but like generally it happens like in those like kind of teenage years when you're like first discovering things about yourself yep. and first discovering, you know, like romantic intimacy and things like that. So the memories you create with the specific person that you first have romantic interest in are like formative, right? Um, and they become this kind of can be good, but also kind of terrible way that like future relationships kind of yes. um, are held to, like held up yes. next to, or yes, like things yes. we expect from future partners. And when I was writing this too, I mean, it's a very queer book. And coming of age and being a young queer person um, also includes those things about like not understanding yourself or your sexuality sure. at all and discovering that. So maybe it's like even like has that extra edge of like being very fraught, right? Like sure, it's it like, sure oh, does. Um, because it, like sometimes those relationships are very secret as well. Yes. So it like becomes this kind of way that we, when we're thinking about them, that memory becomes extremely structured and it's like very like posed and it's very like put Remember together. Remember that dead raccoon? <laughs> <laughs> Baby, that dead bull reminds me of you. Yeah, it's like, it's got like a lot of like things that I was like, oh shit, this has like a lot in common with taxidermy because taxidermy is like taking something that was once alive and died in this kind of way and resurrecting it into yeah. like a very very specific pose structured memory and like that's relationships in a lot of way past relationships yeah, we even absolutely. do that with current relationships i think we have like an idea in our mind of how things are and our partners have ideas themselves yes, and you hope that they match somewhat yeah <laughs> but like something you know it's hard to be inside of another person's head yeah um but we have these ways of like structuring or like telling ourselves that things are a certain kind of way and like molding and structuring the memories. And so relationships function that way. I also think like writing, I was like, wow, writing is like taxidermy. I was going <laughs> to ask you about that. Is writing your taxidermy? Maybe so. Because it is like, right? Like, oh my goodness. Like after I was like through like doing like the editing and thing I was like there was not a way for me to talk about writing that didn't sound like I was talking about taxidermy sure. like I was like I was like oh I'm scraping out the sentences that don't work <laughs> like I was just like oh god like the way I was talking about it it was just like right like cutting free like gutting like I really yep. I kept using all these I think I was talking about because I did uh I did a thing at University of Tampa where I did like a class like about um talking about like deletion and mm -hmm. like because I love deleting Ooh. things I love it so much like probably a unhealthy amount. I like deleting things. So I was Are like... You, is this where you're going to tell me your book was originally 500 pages? <laughs> <laughs> I always overwrite because I really like getting rid of things. I love scraping it out. Yeah, like of that's... course. Getting rid of the guts. Yeah. And so like I was like describing what I was going to talk about to somebody and they were like, maybe for people just like don't use like words that involved sounding like using a knife. <laughs> Like a stabbing? And I was like, I guess it sounds like intense the way I'm talking about it. They're like, but the little baby riders, like maybe like talking about it in like a a little, a, a sweeter way than talking about taking the knife to something, <laughs> like literally stabbing it out. Um, but it really is like writing did, I was like, wow, writing is like a kind of taxidermy, right? You're constructing a yeah. narrative and you're posing it to be in a certain kind of way and you take it and you're like, this isn't fitting like my idea of how the memory should function and kind of whittling it down or like honing it and making it into like the thing that you, that you see it as. Yes, exactly. And yeah, I mean, you getting to narrate your experience, uh, is the ultimate taxidermological. <laughs> <laughs> the impression.
impression I got from the book, at least, was that I could see how control, mm-hmm. both in taxidermy and controlling the narrative, were, mm-hmm. were very important. Yes. Because I think, too, because uh, I was, it's also a book about like grief and loss. Yeah. Um, and specifically, this narrator is a person who struggles with control issues. And I think struggle is an interesting word because I think when the book begins, they don't think they struggle with it. No, not at all. Um, they like for them, like it's like a lot of coping mechanisms. So in writing this book, it was like, okay, what does it look like when you've had these workarounds that are maybe not healthy, maybe not the best? kind of way of coping with things, but they've worked to a degree. Yes. So you've developed them and you've used them. There are these workarounds so you can get through the things you don't want to deal with. Like what happens when an event occurs or something happens that makes it so those coping mechanisms no longer work anymore. Like they don't function the way that you need them to. And specifically for Jessa in this book is like, okay, she's like very much a control freak. And she very much is like, I deal with emotions by like, ruthlessly like shoving them down and right. like being very present in the in the physical world and what does it mean like when that no longer like your brain no longer lets you do that because you're you're too immersed in like the event that's occurred and also what does that kind of grief look like when it's paired up against other people in your life who are experiencing the same grief but maybe in very different ways which is a good segue into Jess's mother yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like a very different kind of coping mechanisms want to tell us a little bit about Mm. that (laughs) yes so um and then book starts out with this too it's like her mother Mm. is creating a lot of art from the beginning with using the taxidermy animals in the shop but it's like erotic art so it's like posed scenes that begin like in the front of the shop where she's like making these um increasingly more lewd like erotic (laughs) arrangements of the taxidermy animals and and like posed scenarios right and for Jessa, that's very disturbing for a lot of reasons. And that was another <laughs> thing I was, like, thinking about, too, because somebody who's a control freak. Yeah, um, that's for, the worst. Yeah, like, when you're, like, watching someone deviate out of your expectations yeah. would probably be very difficult to navigate. Um, and another thing, too, where I was like, okay, this is, like, a a mother of a certain age who's lived her entire life a specific kind of expected way, yes. right? She's a stay-at-home mom. Um, she's a person who in, within the book and within the text, like there's like them talking about like, oh, the fact she loves art, but discussed in a kind of way where it's like made very like, oh, but it's domestic. Yeah. It's dismissive of like women's art, like women's kind of crafting her art, which is like a thing that happens constantly. (sighs) So also it's a person that like, there's this idea too, like when you become a mother that like your sexuality, like you very much become asexual, like your sexuality is pushed aside because now it's like a higher, right? You're, in, you're doing you're something. doing something for the yeah, like that's so just mm-hmm. like more worthy, right? Like oh, it's very selfless because you're taking right. care of others. And there's this like kind of ideology that like you become a sexless thing, and like your job is raising children and running a household. And then, but then too, like what what occurs then when like those children are grown? Yeah, when you are um, adult, an, ad- an adult of a certain age. So no, you're no longer taking care of those children. Mm-hmm. You no longer have that job or that role right. anymore. Um, and you're still sexless. And like, what does that life look like? And then like, what if your partner dies and you like are like, you know what? I'm going to take a look at this and I'm going to be like, I'm going to rediscover myself. And maybe part of me is that I am like a sexual person. I think kids like there's ideas that parents have about their children, about how they should behave or like yeah. how they think they should be. But there's very much ways in which like, children are like this is how my this is who you are you're my mom i mean yeah even for me reading the book 
the most squeamish I was was not with any of the animal parts. Mm-hmm. It was like the talking to mom about sex. Yes. <laughs> That's difficult, right? Like it's, it's, this, it's much harder. It's a very difficult thing. Um, and it was very interesting to see, like, because a lot of people, like, even when people would ask me questions about it, would, like, not ask me about, like, or they would say, like, so what? So what do you think about this? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, like the erotic art? <laughs> it was like kind of the same way sometimes they would ask me about like the sex in the book. They're like, what about like, especially if I had like male interviewers asking me these questions, they would ask me, um, they're like, could you talk a little bit about the the intimacies between women in the book? And I'm like, oh, the fucking? <laughs> what about the fucking do they want to know? Well, they were like, they were like, oh, can you like talk? Because I was, I was like, oh, like, you know, I can talk about the fact that like, I was very interested in writing a book where the sex happening between women wasn't necessarily couched in all this like emotional discussion right. post and like, like, like before and after. I was like, you know, because sometimes people just want to have sex and that yes. just happens in yeah. books. Like think about all the books you've written, like read by like, you know, men. like white straight men mm-hmm. where it's like it opens with like somebody having like a boner or like it opens with yeah. like, you yeah, know, yeah. them just like indiscriminately fucking and it's ex- it's expected. But like. Um, when it's women doing that and I think even too because there's this idea that like women having sex with other women like oh sex is emotional all the time right. sex is like just doing this and I'm like that's not how sex is for anyone like it's, for, <laughs> it's serving a variety of purposes right, right like right, sometimes right. of course it's like very emotional or specific in that kind of way but other times it's just like oh god I just want to have sex with some yeah <laughs> I just want to have sex with somebody so it was like um, that was like important to me to do in the book so I think people were trying to ask me that but trying to like be very sensitive as they asked it to me and I was like I'll be the one who's not sensitive like sure i'll just say fucking that's fine but of course in the book the narrator uh, studies animals yes and i mean you and me baby ain't nothing but mammals (laughs) 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 sorry no that's really bringing out my intellectual side Kristen. (laughs) that is lovely yes oh my god um yeah i mean too because it was like okay so like jessa has like a sex life yeah and it's but it's also one that she's like she's very controlling about right she's like here's here's how i'm going to behave sexually and i'm not allowing anything else other than that and then at the same time she's like watching her mom kind of do these things and she's like well no that's not how you get to behave Mm -hmm. which is i think very funny like it's very funny to think about people having like a very controlling idea about how other people can behave because it's like first of all we can barely control anything about ourselves so the idea that you could, like, have any kind of measure of control under, over another human being and, like, how they think or process things or, like, experience grief is, like, a little funny in this, like, horrible way. Like, I don't know. Like, that was, like, hilarious to me. Like, Jessa is always, and pun intended, I guess, like, the straight man in this. <laughs> like, she's, like, she's, like, the person where, like, sometimes the humor's happening around her and she just doesn't get the joke. Abs- I mean, I think you do a great job, though, in, in the novel of – getting her first impressions of what her mother is doing. Mm -hmm. And as a reader, you think, oh, her mom has lost her mind. Yes, yeah. And then I think we see before Jessa does, Mm -hmm. but we get there. Yeah. Um, And another thing, too, that I was like, okay, like this is like – like taking like what's been essentially like been like oh domestic arts or like arts that we're not like we don't take seriously because right. they're like women's work in this kind of way it's also paired up against like utilizing taxidermy which is like 
uh, a thing I considered what's like, what is like high art versus low art? Mm-hmm. Um, like what's tacky and what's classy? Like these kind of like binaries yes. that are present a lot of the time. I mean, Florida experiences a lot of that, right? <laughs> so yes. like Florida is always like, we're like, like very considered very tacky in this kind of way. Cause right. Mm-hmm. Like it's like central Florida is like tourist central and includes a lot of these things. So, um, I was like, what does it look like for, um, people who are creating taxidermy, which within the book they, they consider to be like Jessa and her father both considered to be high, high art. art. But like looking in on it, like when yeah. you talk to people about taxidermy, it's low art when you talk to huh. people. Like people aren't generally considering like, taking taxidermy like taking a dead animal and like scraping out the interior and posing it to be this kind of high art but they've like made it into this thing and that's like very present within like um, people who create taxidermy and these kind of forums like they take it very seriously they spend a lot of time on it but it's generally very masculine work yes um i would sit inside of these um like web forums kind of chat room areas to yeah because like, i wanted to see how people talked about it i wanted the language to be right in the book i wanted it to be like what's this kind of slang they use mm-hmm. like how do people talk to each other like what kind of tools do people actually use is there stuff that like they don't use and it's known in the trade but like people wouldn't know otherwise unless they're making taxidermy and um sitting inside so i would i got a lot of that stuff right like people were like use windex it's cheaper and i'm like amazing oh. um but then uh there was also this way like people would bring in and like 99% of the time, it was like this very traditional kind of masculinity, like almost sure. like a, a very specific kind of masculinity that were like in these forums. And they would post these pictures of like things they'd made. Um, and they'd be like, here's what I made. And they would like right, say like how they did it. But then they'd also like – I was like, oh, they're showing – art in this way they're being vulnerable they're being tender oh, with like yeah. how they've made work and i was like oh this is a way because otherwise it's like to feel emotional about something you've created is That's... a vulnerability and it's considered feminine yeah and they don't they don't have availability to that but because it's a thing that's been killed and they can like <laughs> it's taxidermy that they're allowed to have access to art and feelings in a kind of way oh, and i, I was like that. wow that's like really super interesting to me and like hyper gendered because taxidermy also includes a lot of what's considered domestic arts right like sewing yeah i mean her mm-hmm. her dad had to be a better yeah like those those things i was like wow these are like these are like very stri- like strategically gendered but they cross each other i was about to say seamstress but yeah that's, <laughs> right what's the male version of seamstress Woo, that's a question that i don't actually know i was just about to say sewer and i was like so that's I, not right i, I know <laughs> the, maybe it is it's just oh sewer 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 <laughs> were there women on these sites other than you um the thing is, is that sometimes you would think like maybe it could be. Um, sure. Right. You, you you don't actually know. I but. think if anybody was that they were not saying and they would probably not want to because I feel there was just like such a there's such a vibe being in those uh, rooms of like a very specific kind of masculinity, even mm-hmm. how they talked or like the language being utilized that when I was in there, I never posted or talked because first of all, it's not my space and I'm not making that stuff. Right, I just right, kind of right. wanted to observe. But there is kind of a way where it's like, oh, maybe if you discuss this in a kind of way where you would like outed yourself as like a woman that maybe people would not share with you or talk with you in a kind of way because it was it's like a very specific kind of masculinity that i think can veer into toxicity right like a very toxic kind of masculinity that's involved in like communities where it's like a lot of hunting or that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so um no i I never saw anybody do that but i think there had to have been right and that was a thing that was interesting to me too because it was like i know that there are women that do this right but, like, how do you learn how to do it? Like, who's teaching you? And I was like, this is, like, a thing where you're – usually, like, you learn from, like, somebody else, right? It's like a 
There's no one who's just like a dynamo. Yeah, no, they don't go like, you know what? I'm going to teach myself. Like, I think that doesn't happen very often. I think like usually it's like it's very familial, right? So it's like your father shows you or like somebody shows you how to make it. Um, And it's generally like since it's so patriarchal, I think it's like a lot of men teaching young men. So it was interesting to me in writing the book, like – what does it look like when it's like a young queer woman who's like taking over this kind of thing? And like, what are the expectations with that? And like, how do you feel like you need to behave? And like, what kind of mannerisms would you take on that are like patriarchal? Right. Like, sh- like Jessa has a lot of ways in where like that she kind of acts like veers into like misogyny in a kind of way, I think, because she's like very, she wants to be her own father a lot right, of the time. Right, sure. Um, and that's how her father behaves. Like the way he belittles like his wife's like domestic arts is the way that Jessa belittles her mother's domestic arts. So. Or, or her brother's not unwillingness to embrace yeah. the full art of the taxidermy. Yeah, or the way that he's more emotional than she right. is. Like, oh, you're just – you're being, like, very female in the ways that you're showing your emotions and I need you to stop because I can't handle the way that you're, like, being, like, very feminine about, like, experiencing sadness and grief. But also I I, I would imagine that as a queer woman, mm-hmm. having that model of masculinity is – Something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and I was like, I was like, okay, it's very interesting to me too, because it's like, there's a specific idea of like gender and how like women are supposed to behave. Yeah. Um, so I was like interested in seeing like, what does it look like for like a woman to be like, I am going to be aggressive mm-hmm. in the way that I pursue rom- like and when I say romantic, I mean like sexual relationships. Yeah. I'm going to be aggressive in the way that I am with this business. I'm going to be aggressive in the way that I act with like other people in my family. I'm going to like be the, I mean, quote unquote, like man of this household. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to take yeah. on the mantle. And that I was like, that's interesting to me because I think because there's still like really embedded ways. And that's something I'm always interested in writing about, like not even just in this book, but like in essays I work on and short fiction, like women in a household like what do like the roles look like because many of us grew up in like these like heteronormative households where there's very like strictly defined roles or like roles that are like and so then it's like what does it look like like who takes out the garbage like who does the dishes like who mows the lawn and sometimes it's like these kind of things right where it's like it falls into these things that just happen uh, subconsciously, I think, right? Like, right. well, you're like, I mean, because I think it's all, sometimes not even discussed, right? Like, if you're in a relationship where someone's more femme or more butch, like, mm-hmm. those things become a thing that's like just finding these like gender roles that like are very heteronormative that you kind of grew up with, right. you just kind of fall into them. And it's an interesting thing to think about because, like, there should be like, there's like a reconsideration, right? Like, okay, we're both queer women. Like, why are we like defining ourselves by these kind of like ways that our parents raised us in this like very specific kind of relationship? And you just had this wonderful piece go up on BuzzFeed mm. about Barbies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like obsessed with Barbies. Oh, yeah. Uh, and too, too, cause like it was like, oh, like, and I, I think that has to be, I mean, I won't, I won't say for other people, um, but for me, like, growing up being very young and queer and knowing there was something like that about me, like from a very young Mm -hmm. age, like knowing, feeling like the difference and knowing like the way that I like played with Barbie or thought about Barbie was different from how like the people around me were like thinking about Barbie because there were, there's this way about like, that's control too, I guess. Right. Like if you're like, sure, you're so confused about yourself and there's, there's these ways to like explore 
sexuality in a way that maybe feels a little safer, more private. And the way for that is like, right, you literally have a doll that has like an adult woman's body mm-hmm. and you have access to it. And maybe you're like looking at it and like experience it in this kind of way. Um, and it was a thing I was thinking about because I was like, I loved Barbies growing up. And I wasn't like, I was like a little kid who was like, I was just dirty all the time. Like my hair was <laughs> tangled. Like I was like, ah, I was just filthy constantly. Um, <laughs> and like, I, I loved Barbie. Like Barbie was so clean and beautiful right. and like so put together. And there's these ways like too, where there's an expectation of like behavior that I know that like my family really wanted from me. Like, right. right. Um, I mean, there's still ways, like, I think, like, I can, like, put lipstick on without a mirror. Like, I can put pantyhose in, like, two seconds <laughs> right. on. Like, I know, like, I could, like, do my nails right now if I needed to. Like, there's, like, ways you're, like, raised to do, like... We have some in the back. No. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, like, these ways that you're raised that are, like, extremely feminine that they're, like, things you're supposed to know or, uh-huh. like, do, like, effortlessly that, like, always felt like a struggle, like, such an effort and, like... I always appreciated that about like other women. Like that was something that was very attractive to me. Um, and Barbie is like the quintessential, right? Like sure. she's like completely put together at all times, but she's also like, she has no agency. Like she's very much controlled by whoever's like holding on to no her. No genitals. That's... She doesn't have any kind of, right? Like she's with whoever you decide to put her with. Like, so there's a lot going on with Barbie, but she <laughs> is like, it was this thing where I like, I think like as a young queer person, like was my first access to like female bodies in a way that made me sure. feel like I like had any kind of, I don't know. There's something. There's something about Barbie. Yeah, yeah. she had great tits. <laughs> yeah, she really did. Barbie stacked, y'all. <laughs> I think um, Josh, my husband, mm. might have asked you this last night at the, <laughs> at the New York Public Library when you were having a conversation mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. What's the deal with people? calling your book strange like are people really reacting to i just feel like Mm -hmm. for me yes it's different from a lot of things i've read because the 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 taxidermy takes up so much of it and is so central to it Uh but it's not like weird yeah Uh uh-huh um and some of that like when people say that to me um i don't ask them what they mean but i start like kind of tapping at it and probing it a little bit. See, we're getting back into taxidermy. Uh, (laughs) uh, I start asking them what they mean by that. And I realize like a lot of discomfort comes with the messiness of bodies. Um, And Mm. a thing I am very interested in is like this kind of way that people consider things to be gross or ugly. Mm. Because I think there is this like, I said this before, but like a binary that Mm -hmm. people think about like, like ugly or pretty or like, uh, dirty or clean or these kind of ways like that that doesn't inc- like count for all the gray area in between like okay writing about bodies and writing about sex like those things are inherently messy and that's what's a lot of the time very good about them like that's the erotic within them and that's right. like the kind of thing that's like enjoyable and also not even just like sex but intimacy mm-hmm. um when we think about like when you really love someone or have a close or even like, and I don't even necessarily just mean like romantic love. It could be like familial love or like a close friend that you just feel such a love for. There's things that like a person could do, right? Like, like that person's like sweaty and on you or like their breath's not great at that moment <laughs> or like, you know, you just are like, 
like you have a crust in your eye or things like that, but just you love that person. And it's like those things are part of them. And there's like, they're just like, it's like a part of it. And I think that makes people uncomfortable to think about like, um, to think about the body in that kind of way. Cause we won't, I think a lot of people want things to be cleaner than that. They want things to be like, uh, disinfected a little bit. Like they want things to almost be like surgically clean. They want like, and I've talked about this too, right? Like I'm very interested in writing about menstruation mm-hmm. um, because I think that's a thing that doesn't happen enough in fiction. No. Um, it's a thing that happens to like many people, like a majority like of the population. majority of the population. The majority of the population yes. experiences menstruation and the effects of menstruation like once a month. Mm-hmm. And that's like generally – For like, a long time. <laughs> it's like a week of like – and not just like – right, like – bleeding but like how it affects your mood yeah like how it affects like i was thinking i was thinking about it too it's like when you have your period it like i'm thinking about like okay here's my what my day looks like and i need to think about like where's the bathroom in conjunctions to this so mm-hmm. i need to think about like how i'm feeling i need to think about like how my body's behaving it's like a lot of other things that i was like that's not in fiction a lot of the time whereas there's these other things in fiction a lot of the time like i know i said this earlier too this is the second time i've mentioned boners but like <laughs> right like Please. there's so many books that you're reading there's where someone's talking about their morning wood and i'm just like okay we get a lot of this but there's like okay because it's a daily function that happens for a lot of um for right. people right um but like menstruation is a thing that happens like consistently for like a most of your life for like a lot of people. Yeah. So like why isn't that in there? And it's messy and it's uncomfortable. Like menstruation makes people extremely uncomfortable. Even people who experience it. Um, that's a thing I've noticed too. Like talking with I, like I I think I expected conversations with um, people who identify as male to talk with me, um, or not cis um, to talk with mm. me about. Um, or cis to talk with me about um, like menstruation is this kind of thing that makes them uncomfortable. I did not expect like people like for women to talk with me about talking about menstruation makes them uncomfortable. And I was like, I guess that's well, true. Cause I was like, there is this way too, where it's like, we're supposed to like not talk about it or kind of hide it. Like I know even like being at the library, like anytime I had to go to the restroom, I was just like shoving a tampon in my bra so that no one see because my dress doesn't have any pockets. So it's like sure. I'm trying to go to the bathroom. It's like, why are you hiding a tampon oh, yeah, to go I to did, the bathroom? Yeah, I, but it's like certainly a, have done that. But it's a corporate. thing too. So like trying to write about the body in this kind of way that makes people uncomfortable, I think I think more than the animals. It's like the <laughs> messy sex talking about bodies and like menstruation made like people like wildly uncomfortable yeah (laughs) wildly uncomfortable but i I do like how the ways that the body like disrupts like i think it's really interesting like how how many ways can the body just like do things that you're not like in control of like how many like so many so many unfortunate ways (laughs) um like right like just like puking and shitting and bleeding and like there's just a lot going on with bodies indeed put that on my grave yeah Something about your body will end up. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard feedback from your patrons? Oh, um, I – it was uh, some, mostly, like, people being very excited. But actually, like, the people that I've had, like, the funniest experience with is just being, like, in my 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. And I know those aren't my patrons, but, like, kind of. Th- those are your people. Yes. Because I think they didn't believe me – uh, my 7-Eleven cashier and the rest of the employees. I think they didn't necessarily believe me when I said a lot of this stuff because I'm just like such a 
dumbass <laughs> when I'm in there all the time. They're like, we know you and you're not like not like super smart. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, uh, those are the people who I've been like when I was in there, when I finally showed them like the finished copy yeah. of the book that they were like. Oh shit! Like you did actually. I was like, "Yes, I told you I did this." You're in the acknowledgments. I know. <laughs> they were so excited when I showed them that. But yeah, I've had. I did have like some patrons come up to me, um, in this like just very sweet way, um, like so excited. But then like they, I think any of the patrons I talked to hadn't like read it yet either. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, let let. I started to say, like, let me know what you think. But then I was like, actually, no, I don't never I mind. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> so great. I'm like, it's like, they're like, what's it like being a writer? And I'm like, it's, it's just I'm like, it's a nightmare. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, ha, 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 this isn't Twitter. <laughs> Can't talk about writing wanting to, like, writing murdering you, I guess. Like, <laughs> writing is stepping on my neck. <laughs> Taught me writing. <laughs> Oh, I was like, I'm like, oh, you can't say that stuff out loud to people. Like, they're like, what? right? Are you okay? I live in Brooklyn, which is like sort of a place where you can say it, but yeah. like not really. Yeah, I was like in Central Florida. I was like, there was not like, like I make jokes about like, oh, writing's the fucking worst. They're like, what? I'm like, oh shit. Like this isn't Twitter.com. The hell site Twitter. <laughs> the hell site. <laughs> That has connected so many wonderful people. I know. Honestly, like, whenever people ask me about it, too, I'm just like, I'm like, okay, there's, like, a lot of shitty stuff about Twitter. But it's also, like, where I've made, like, the greatest kind of friends. Like, my closest friends in my life I made through that. I'm my girlfriend I met on Twitter. <laughs> I met my husband on Twitter. Like, it's, it happens. It's lovely. It is. It's, like, building relationships and tearing yeah. them down. Yeah. It's doing it both. Talk to me mm-hmm. about books that you're into right now yes um i mean there's so many great books i mean first of all in general but just that came out like this year even um a book that i cannot stop talking about and i feel like i have talked about to death is takira madden's um long with the tribe of fatherless girls um, which is also a florida book and queer it's a memoir and it's like um the florida that it's set in is boca which is a different florida but it's also still like it's writing about Florida in this way that I'm very excited about reading about the state, which is very tactile and very, like, sense-related. So it's, like, right, like, the smell, mm-hmm. the kind of touch, like, um, what things sound like. Like, that book is doing, like, a lot of that work. It's also just, like, first of all, very – it's just gorgeous yeah. um, on the sentence level. It and is. I think uh, it's doing um, such interesting things with, like – um, the different ways that families can behave and like what it looks like when a child has to take care of a parent and like what it means to like continue to love even beyond like when things are like a struggle or like things are a kind of way that's not ideal. Um, and it's just a, be- I think that's a book is a beautiful book. Yes. Um, another book I have loved this year is Brian Washington's Lot, mm. uh, which is a short fiction collection because um, it's very much writing about place um, in a way that I sure. think is so impressive because um, it's like short stories that are not necessarily connected, but kind of connected like this through thread, like some of the stories are like connected with each other, but like Houston is like very present mm-hmm. in this book. Like Houston is like a character in that book, like right. the the heat, the kind of smell of things, like how the food works in that book even. Cause I know Brian is like, 
uh, very interested in food and writes about food often. Those stories I thought were incredible, like devoured that book. Ah, pun intended, I guess. Yeah. Um, I thought that book was yeah. great. Um, a book I read an advanced copy of that I have been excited about for a long time is Jakira Diaz's um, Ordinary Girls, which is Ooh. about uh, girlhood in Miami. So it's also writing about Florida, but very different Florida. Like Miami right. is like very different culturally than Orlando. But it's like um, – it just like rips you up. Like it's a beautiful book that it's coming out in October. Yes. Um, and that book is gorgeous. Oh, and then Jamie Attenberg's uh, book yes. that's coming out, uh, which is I got to read it so early on. And that, mm-hmm. I can't wait for people to read that book because I Same. think that All This Can Be Yours, I think, is a beautiful book. Um, and also does a lot with place. It does, right? Yeah. Like it's writing about New Orleans in this like very specific kind of way that is like – that's also very much based on the senses, right? Because living in these kind of places is a tactile kind of sure. experience. Like live, being in New Orleans is a tactile experience, like the humidity and like the smells and the taste of things. Like, mm-hmm. and that book, I also think that book, just the way the chapters are set up with all the women, um, is a, it's beautiful and it's doing a lot. Oh, there just were so many good books this year. Yeah. Uh, Esme Wang's, uh, collected oh, schizophrenias, yeah. I thought was fantastic. Me um, too. I read that on a plane and then was like so mad. (laughs) I was was like, what? Because I don't know. Like, I feel like that collection is just doing so much. And it's just like, it is also like, it's like, right. It's doing like a lot of technical work and like critical work, but it's also very personal and just very like, I don't know. I felt like completely engrossed in that book, but yeah, there were a lot of great books. That I came know. Out this year. I know. Lots and lots of good books, and more books to come, which is wonderful. It's, yes, <laughs> as, as far as we know, <laughs> <laughs> nobody can say right now. But in theory, yes. more good books coming out. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yay. It was a pleasure. I'm, I'm so happy to have been here and to drink purse beers with you and oh, talk about writing beers. Were great. <laughs> thank you for listening to the maris review and check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today and please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts